0: Good morning. It is Palm Sunday. We're going to use these in a minute. But um, before I get to that, I just want to encourage you to celebrate this week with us. Some, Some call it Holy Week. It's the week between Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday Easter as others call it. And so this Friday, there is going to be a walkthrough that you can do in the little trail behind our building. It'll be open from 10 to 3 on Friday. It's just something for you to have some readings, to walk through and see some different places that have been set up for you. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with your family. It's just designed to give you a place to come and slow down and reflect. um, The things that we celebrate this time of year and then also, um, Friday night is our embrace service, and if you've never been to one of those, you, um, it's, a, it's a, just a special time to slow down with the scriptures, that's all it is. It's the reading of the scriptures that account for those last hours of Jesus' life up through the crucifixion, and we end with the crucifixion and the burial, so that you come back Sunday for the rest of the story. And that's always just kind of a great way to slow down. It's not a very long service. You start at 7, and usually it's about a half an hour, uh, 45 minutes at the most. So we encourage you to be a part of that this week. But today is Palm Sunday, and we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That had to have been an amazing event. So let's just, let's just play a little bit and get that in our mind. So stand up with me, all right? And I want you to practice, this is practice, to just say Hosanna loudly. Just say it loudly. Hosanna. That was pretty good for practice. Okay, let's do it again. Hosanna. Okay, now let's really shout it, okay? Hosanna. And now say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, let's start with just blessed is he. (laughs) Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One more time. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, and now wave your palms while you say it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One more time. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Great, thank you. You can be seated. So keep that in mind. And we're going to look at how Matthew describes the setup for this scene. He describes Jesus preparing to enter Jerusalem. And he talks specifically about Jesus' mode of transportation. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, but would you pray with me first? Ask the Lord to show you something from his word, and then um, i'll I'll close this in prayer and then we'll we'll look at the word together. You just ask the Lord to teach you. Father, we thank you that we have this routine of celebrating the stories that Tell us of your love for us. And so, Lord, as we come to this season of the church calendar where we remember Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, may we learn from what Jesus did that day. Would you teach us, I pray, from your word this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Matthew 21 We're at the end of the book of Matthew. There's obviously eight more chapters, but those chapters focus on these last days of Jesus on earth before his crucifixion and resurrection. And so this is what um, it says, it begins. When they approached Jerusalem and come to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now, it's interesting. Jesus has been in Jerusalem before, and we don't have any record of him riding on an animal. I'm I'm not saying Jesus never rode on an animal before, but we just don't have a record of it. But this time, when he entered, he specifically arranged to have an animal that he was going to ride on. And so he tells his disciples to enter, go to this next village, and get the the donkey um, and bring it to him. And then he says... If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. So we see either this was arranged by Jesus, like he had talked to this person before, or he just knew that that person, if the disciples went and said, hey, the Lord has need, they would say, oh, sure, you can, you can have it. But this was planned. This was purposeful. This was intentional. This wasn't some kind of random like, oh, there's a donkey. I'm, I'm going to ride it. He purposed to do this, and then Matthew explains it to us. He says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. So it had been prophesied that Jesus was going to enter Jerusalem this way. This was a part of God's plan, and Jesus is intentionally carrying that out. And so this, Matthew gives us what the prophet says. This is from Zechariah. He says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Now, we just shouted, we just, we just heard kind of a little bit of what it might have been like in the streets that day. But why was this important? And we might get the wrong picture from this image of Jesus on a donkey. We might get the wrong picture. Because when you think of kings, and you think of them kind of displaying their splendor, what, what kind of images come to mind? Like, think about Solomon. You know? If you, if you read the Old Testament, you see that Solomon took seven years to build the temple, but he took 14 years to build his own palace. And if you read the description of his throne, it was made out of ivory covered with pure gold. There were lions and steps. It was magnificent. So it would be easy to think that this is some status that Jesus is saying. We, we might think of the donkey as kind of a humble. Like What kind of limousine would you expect a head of state to arrive in? Right? Like a big stretch limousine, right? With armor plating and all that kind of stuff. You wouldn't expect the president to be driven around in a smart car. Like, that's not going to happen. So you might think of it as a status kind of thing that Jesus is taking a humble posture. But see, I don't think that's the right picture here. You see, they were a little more practical about animals. And if you read in the Old Testament, you'll find that there was, it wasn't uncommon for kings to ride on mules and even donkeys. It's just the context. So think about it this way. Imagine a king approaching a city that he is wanting his army to take. Could you imagine him riding into war on a donkey? not a picture of warfare and what was the crowd shouting they were shouting hosanna and they called him king you can see that in the gospels they were shouting save us Well, what did they want saving from clearly as people of israel they expected the messiah the king to come and deal with their problem who was their problem The Romans, right? We are an occupied people. We are not free. So to be free, we want you to do something about that. But Jesus didn't come to wage war against the Romans. He didn't come to judge. We all know John 3.16 Many people know that verse, but this is the verse after it. For God did not send his son, the son, into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. He didn't come to destroy people. He didn't come to bring God's judgment. He didn't come to destroy humanity. He came to rescue it. And he came to deal with the real problems, the real issues that face humanity. It wasn't the circumstances. And this, this is why this is such a powerful image for us to reflect on. Because in our humanness, we often want to blame our circumstances for our problems in the sense of what's wrong. Like if my circumstances would just change, then my life would be so much better. Well. At one level, that's a true statement. Obviously, difficult circumstances are hard, but it's the wrong focus. The issue for the Jews was not the Romans. The issue was their own heart and their own being, the issue of sin. So what's p- the, the, the challenge that we've got here is you see that image of Jesus at that point, but then you go to Revelation and you see a very different picture. See, a very different picture there is, I saw the heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. There is going to come a time of judgment. Now, this picture is highly, highly um, poetic in the sense of this is apocryphal literature. Later in this passage, it talks about a sword coming out of Jesus' mouth, and when we see Jesus, there won't be a literal sword coming out of his mouth. That's not It's meant to kind of give us this this image of warfare, but the point is, this is a very strikingly different picture, isn't it? Of the one of Jesus on the donkey, on the foal, riding into Jerusalem. He was coming not in war, but in peace, and he was coming to do what really needed to be done. And see, this is where our language of spiritual warfare can really, really get us on the wrong focus. You see, Paul talks about spiritual warfare, He talks about it very specifically. He talks about armor. But if you read that passage carefully, it is not about people. Our enemy is the devil. And you have spiritual armor to avoid the schemes of the devil and the deceit of the devil and the arrows of the devil. And you're fighting against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Spiritual warfare is not about the people around us. They are not the problem. They are victims of the enemy. And yes, there are evil things in the world that we need to stand against and do things about as we can. But we must never forget that the real enemy is Satan and the way he has lied to people. So when we allow spiritual warfare to kind of bleed into our thinking, then we tend to gravitate toward the war horse instead of the donkey. How did Jesus come? He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. He came to die. He came to defeat the real problem. He came to die for sin so that we could be set free. But you see, in our humanness, we all tend to look at our circumstances as necessitating our choices. Like, well, I have no other choice because my circumstances control me. No, they don't. The freedom that the Jews wanted was not to be found by just having the Romans kicked out. And too often, we want to point to things like government in our work situation, in our neighborhood. We want to focus on those as the problem and not deal with the real issue. You see, it's, it's easy to get on the war horse. It's easy to want to use force to try to get people to do what you want. It's easy to use anger and, and to allow bitterness and resentment. And to, and to let us kind of deal with life in that kind of way. That's the easy way. It's, it's the human way. But Jesus rode in on the donkey. And all the time, we are choosing between the donkey and the warhorse, All the time. In our approach to life. In our approach to people. So I want you to think about this for just a minute. And I want to give you three ways to think about this. First of all, when you naturally think about praying, when you think, like, I'm going to prayer, I'm going to talk to God, which do you see? Do you see Jesus as if he's on a donkey coming to serve and bless? Or do you see Jesus on the war horse with criticism of you, with judgment of you, Reluctant to be helpful. Reluctant to answer your prayers. Which do you see? See, I think we allow ourselves at times to forget the goodness of God and his mercy. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. The brokenness that we have in our lives doesn't make God want us less. He draws us to himself. For healing and forgiveness. And then the second question is, okay, you, you have a, maybe a natural response that you need to think about and, and correct based on what the scriptures tell us. What do you want to see? See, as you, think about, as you think about your life, do you want to see Jesus coming to serve and to help and to bless? Or do you want to see him coming in wrath and justice? What do you want your neighbor to experience See, too often, too often we can get so caught on the wrong that we want justice rather than mercy. We want to see people get it as opposed to receive it. Which do you want for people? And then the third comes to which are you writing in your relationships? Which are you writing in work? Are you coming in anger? Are you coming in with a warfare mentality? Or are you coming as a servant? Anytime I think about this, the the story of Rehoboam comes to mind. If you know the story of Rehoboam, you know that he was Solomon's son. Solomon had this amazing, amazing kingdom. But it was costly to live in Solomon's kingdom. The taxes were high. They had all this forced labor to do all this construction that he did. And so the people went to Rehoboam and said, hey, life was tough under Solomon. Yeah, it was golden, but it was tough. How about giving us some relief? And Rehoboam asked the counselors, and the wise counselors said this to Rehoboam. They said, They spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to this people today and will serve them and grant them their petition and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. Good advice. But what did Rehoboam do? He listened to the young friends that he hung out with and they said, oh man, tell the people they've seen nothing yet. You think my dad was tough. I'm tougher. And how did that work out for Rehoboam? Not so well, did it? He lost a good part of the kingdom. Now, that was a part of God's plan. But I always think about this as we think about people. How are we going to help them understand the love of Jesus if we're on a war horse shouting and berating and belittling them? Isn't the way of Jesus to serve and to love? So I ask you, which are you riding? Which... Are you using? What's the mentality that you have? It is easy to get angry. It is easy to ride the warhorse. War and I would suggest to you that in the midst of this this setting, as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, there was a little bit of defying the expectations, like even the image of him on a donkey was different than maybe what they were shouting. They were shouting about him as king. They were shouting for him to save. And he was set on doing that. And yet you know this crowd, some of this crowd that are shouting Hosanna may have been in the same crowd that shouted crucify him. But he was persistent to his cause. So how are you going to live in our culture? And how are you going to live in our world? I would encourage you to defy expectations. We are living in an environment that is so hostile. I've just seen people take one phrase that a person says and then blow up about it and make them, uh, berate them because they didn't say enough. They took one phrase, one sentence. This Christian author, I saw an article, this Christian author made one statement, just one sentence, and this person berated them for not being against sin enough. It's like, you're going to take one sentence out of context and write a whole article berating him. Like, Is that the kind of people we want to be? So, defy expectations. Realize that Jesus calls us to serve. This week, um, we celebrate what Jesus did with his disciples. And you know the story It was in the, the reading this past week that we did in our Lenten series, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And he says, if I did this for you, you need to do it for each other. You need to serve in the same kind of way. So I want you to think about this palm branch, maybe as your sword this morning. It was interesting that there is a story that when Constantine baptized his soldiers, that they would keep their swords out of the water because they didn't want to subject their swords to Christ. Whether that's true or not, I don't know for sure. But what I encourage you to do this morning is to decide that you're going to live like Jesus. You're going to enter on the donkey rather than the warhorse. You're going to see spiritual warfare as something we do against the enemies of God and not something we do against the people around us. And that we vow to serve them. So I want you to take this, if you want to. And there's a cross outside on the grass. And I want you to put this by the cross to say, I'm going to yield to Jesus and live in the manner of Jesus with love and kindness and goodness to the people around. I'm going to seek to serve so that they might know the love of God. Let me pray. Father, we know that each one of us deserves your wrath. And yet you have graciously sent your son. We pray that we would live as he did, seeking to draw people back into relationship. Jesus has paved the way for us to come back into relationship with you. May may we learn from his gentle heart that we might be gentle and loving and kind to the people around us. Help us to get off the war horse and to start serving. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.